a teacher was trying to explain to a little girl in school that whales' mouths are big enough to swallow people, but their throats are too skinny. And so a little girl's like, well, what about Jonah? Because Jonah was swallowed in a whale. It says a big fish, but whatever. And uh, the teacher said, yeah, that's fine. Like, swallowed in his mouth, but there's no way that it would make it through to the stomach because his throats are too skinny. And the little girl said, I'll just ask Jonah when I get to heaven. And that teacher said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And she goes, then you ask him. Oh. <laughs> Bad. A little girl was drawing uh, on some paper. Uh, they were invited, all the kids in kindergarten were invited to draw something, be creative. And so she had her crayons and her pencil, and she's drawing. And the teacher comes over and says, oh, so what are you drawing? She goes, I'm drawing God. And the teacher said, well, nobody really knows what God looks like. And the little girl said, they will in a moment. Oh. <laughs> Okay, that's all I got. More. More of those. I want to give you a little backstory on City Church. So City Church has been downtown Davenport for five years. We've moved around a lot in five years, but we've stayed in downtown like within a two-block radius this entire time, which is really hard to do and amazing that it could actually happen. But when we started, we started at the Redstone Room, which is a music venue, and we would set up and we'd tear down. We just had Tuesday night services. We were running a 6.15 Tuesday night service at the Redstone Room. You guys remember that? Some of you? Cool. And uh, then we decided, you know what? It would really mean something to downtown to actually put your name on the side of a building. We need to have a permanent space because there's a lot of fly-by-nights, and there's been you know, some churches downtown, and then they just move out of town. And... And so uh, we were like, we need to find a space. And so Central Perk, a coffee shop, opened up the doors, and we moved in there. And if you're like friends, uh, Central Perk was 100% about friends. We even have an orange couch just like friends that uh, we had at that space. And so we were there running Tuesday night services for about four months, and then just had this amazing idea of why in the world don't we just go ahead and start a coffee shop? It's already a coffee shop. It's already got the counter. It's got all the stuff in the back ready to make coffee. It was a great coffee shop. And people would actually pull on the door and say, is the coffee shop still here? And I wanted to answer, yes, but there is, but it's different. <laughs> and uh, so we opened a coffee shop. It was called Energize Cafe. And we ran that for a year. And um, so we did uh, lattes, uh, energy drinks, pour over coffee. And so we had this going on. And so we had open hours um, at night because a lot of the coffee shops in downtown are closed. So we're like, well, we'll reach the community at night. And it'd be a great place for like Palmer students to study. And that was the idea behind it. And so it was a lot of work. And uh, we did it for a year. And I just wanted to share something that I learned in one year of running a coffee shop. My daughter, Ariel, like, was pretty much our manager of it. Give it up for Ariel. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And uh, so after a year, we decided we're going to close the door. And the reason is, is this. It was really hard. It was a really tough decision. But after running a coffee shop for a year, I learned you have to be all in. 
especially with coffee. Like, there's not a whole lot. Our goal was never to make, like, a bunch of money on the coffee. It was always just to meet the community. But with a coffee shop, and for the most part, any business, you got to be all in. Like, both feet invested, this is what I'm doing. It's an all-in type of thing. And so as a church, we were all in for the church, and then we were like partially in for coffee. So like we like coffee, we like the idea of a coffee shop, but we love the church. And so City Church exists still because we're all in. Like I'm not going anywhere, and we got to continue to meet because we're following the scripture. For coffee, it's like, okay, we can close the coffee shop because it's we're not all 100% invested into it. And so today I want to talk to you guys about being all in. What does it look like to be all in in life? What does it look like to be all in following Jesus? Both feet invested, all the chips on the table, all in. What are you all in at right now? Maybe it is a business venture. Maybe you're all in for family. Like I will always be there for my family. I am 100% invested. What about some of your friends, like all in friends? Maybe it's your job, career, school. I'm all in, like everything. I'm going all at it. I got everything invested at it. What does it look like to be all in at following Jesus? 100% invested, both feet planted. I am following Jesus wherever he leads me. He has my heart. I'm going to surrender everything to him. What does that look like? I think the book of Acts has a really great picture for us of what it looks like to be all in. We have the disciples. They were all in. The disciples are promised the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit is uh, coming, and so they continued to meet. Jesus said, wait here for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come, and so they continued to meet. It's been 10 days and the Holy Spirit finally shows up on the scene. Holy Spirit comes in power and moves in their service in Acts 2.1, where it actually gives them tongues where the entire city is hearing the wonders of God proclaimed from the church. So like not only the Holy Spirit doesn't just move in the four walls of the church, but the Holy Spirit invites the whole city. And so we have the disciples in this gigantic move of God that a lot of us go back to and go, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Wow, it's powerful. But then there's this part of it that the disciples actually face some opposition right away. The Holy Spirit's moving, and a lot of people are going, wow, that's amazing. I never knew God invited me in. Holy Spirit's for me. But then if you look at it, Acts 2, 13, it says, some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine to drink. A lot of criticism that you face in life is going to come from people you don't even know and they don't even have a name. <laughs> that just came to me. Because <laughs> it's so true, you know, that the things that are going on in the back of your mind, like somebody is criticized, you don't even know them. It just says some. It doesn't put a name to it. It doesn't put a group to it. It just says some of them started making fun of them they take something that's amazing, it's beautiful, it's God, and they start making fun of it. 
They faced opposition right away. Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine to drink. And then in verse 14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. It says that Peter stood up, meaning he must have been sitting down, kneeling down, laying down. I've been in God's presence before where it's like, man, I don't even want to stand up, you know. So Peter stands up and he addressed the crowd. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this part, but I do want to say this. is like when you're praying, when you're praying for a certain thing, when you're praying for someone in your life, when you're in the middle of a prayer, a lot of times what the enemy is going to do is start to throw like some of these people had these negative things to say. So like some, maybe some unforgiveness or something that somebody has said in a, a long time ago, and you're in the middle of a prayer, and then all of a sudden you're just bombarded with all these thoughts. And so here's what I want to say is you can stand up to those thoughts and then move forward. You can actually like address those thoughts and then move forward. So like, and you're in the middle of a prayer and God's like giving you vision for what's next in your life and then you're bombarded with a bunch of worry and stress and anxiety. Address those thoughts, uh-uh. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not stressed, about, stressed out about this. This is something that God's doing. So shut up and then God, what are you doing? Like I, I invite you back into that. So I just love how Peter stands up. He addressed those things. He doesn't just let them sit there. And then he moves forward. So Peter stands up with the 11 and he addresses the crowd. I just got one more side note. And I, I hope this, this helps people. And I, addressing, addressing things is hard today. Addressing things is hard and so I think there's something that we can learn as a church of how to address things. So one thing that I see here is Peter doesn't write them a letter and then mail it to them and say, hey, you guys were really in the wrong for doing this stuff. But he actually stands up eye to eye and says, he addresses the crowd. He's gonna tell them what's really happening here. I just wanna save you guys some heartache Things that need to be addressed are, are eye to eye. It's an eye to eye world right now. When you address something in social media, it's so hard to do with tact and love. And so like addressing things are eye to eye. I've considered making an alias of myself <laughs> in addressing things because there's so many wrong things out there that you're like, I wanna bring some so it's just uh, something that I just see Peter actually address the crowd eye to eye. He talks to him directly, face to face. And then he says this, he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning on Bix weekend. Um, <laughs> They're not drunk because uh, on the day of Pentecost, you don't eat until 10 o'clock. So they're definitely like, they haven't even ate. They're not drinking wine. It's none of that's going on. So I love that, you know, Peter actually gives them the benefit of the doubt. Let me explain this to you guys. You know, like he doesn't like attack. He doesn't go on the offensive, but he actually just explains it to him. It's only nine in the morning. Like we're not drunk. You just don't understand what's going on here. And that's okay. That's fine. 
You just might not get it. One thing that I also love about this passage is the unity of the disciples now. Before, there's the disciples are being pulled in a lot of different directions. You got some out fishing, you got some doing this. Now the disciples stand up with people or with Peter and, and the all eleven stand up, and they're all in unity. And they're saying something that would probably get them thrown in jail. There's no fear in that anymore. You got Thomas, you know, the, the guy that doubted Jesus. People that saw Jesus, his best friend saw Jesus face to face. And he's like, yeah, whatever, man. I, I only will believe that if I can like put my hand on his hand and I can know that it's really him. We have doubting Thomas who's standing up with Peter. Yeah, they're not drunk like as you suppose. They're in unity finally. Then you got Matthias. He just got thrown into the mix. He just became a disciple, and now he's part of the 12. He's standing there in unity. When the Holy Spirit moves, it moves in unity. There's a, a, a like spirit that's deep within us when the Holy Spirit moves. And so the disciples are in unity. And then look at Pete. Look at Pete go. I mean, this is the same Peter that couldn't stand up to a little group of people around a campfire and say, I even know Jesus. But now we have Peter who's standing up to an entire crowd, bold, assertive, full of the Spirit, Pete. I want to look at what changed from Peter being, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of a disciple of Jesus, to I'm all in. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how I look to people anymore. What changed in them? Well, let's look back at Peter's life real quick. Peter denied Jesus. Jesus called it. You're going to deny me three times when I get arrested. You're going to deny that you even know me. But after Jesus died on the cross and then he rose on the third day, Jesus came to Peter again. Even though he denied him, he came and he sought out Peter. He didn't give up on him. The plans for Peter's life didn't get thrown away. He comes to find Peter. And he finds him in John 21, 15. It says this, when when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. I got plans for you, Peter. I got plans. Feed my lambs. I know you love me. Then he says this again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. And feed my sheep. This was a pivotal time for Peter's life. 
Jesus is asking, Peter, do you love me with an agape love? An all-in love. Are you in love with me? The love that's sacrificial. A love that keeps no record of wrong. A love found in 1 Corinthians 13 that we read and read at every wedding. That kind of love. Do you love me? And Peter's saying, a phileo love. Yeah, I love you, bro. We're friends. A love that I have affection for you. Peter's response to Jesus saying, agape love, do you love me? Peter responds the same way that I say, I love Chipotle. I do, I I love it. I love the chicken burrito from Chipotle, right? Come on. I have a filet love with Chipotle. If they keep raising their prices, though, <laughs> if they rip me off, if they only do the, like, half a scoop, that, that's killer. Like, I can't go there. So they get rid of chicken, it's off the menu, they stop the burritos, whatever. I love Chipotle enough to say, I'm moving to Qdoba. I'm just going to move on over. What's next? Poncheros? You know, just keep moving down the line. That's the kind of love Peter had for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, dude, not do you love me like, like Chipotle love, but do you love me that you would give your life for me? Because I have amazing plans for your life, but it's going to cost you everything, Peter. It's going to cost you everything that you are, all of your plans, all of your dreams. Put them aside. I have dreams for your life. Do you love me in agape love? Will you sacrifice your life for me? So I need everything. The, the, the thoughts that I have for you, the plans that I have for you are not just a little portion, but I need you all in, Peter. And Peter keeps responding like, yeah, I mean, we're friends. Like, I love you. Jesus is like, no. But by the third time, Peter's like, it broke his heart. Oh, you're saying like, am I in love with you? Yes, you know all things. You know that I love you. That's a game changer in Peter's life. It took him from being Chipotle Pete to all in Peter. And that's the Peter that we read about in the book of Acts. The other thing that it did is it opened up an opportunity for him to be filled with the Spirit. Because now he's all in. All in and full of the Spirit, Peter. The guy that does miracles that we read in the book of Acts. The one that like literally is walking down the street and somebody says, hey, do you got any change? And he says, no, I don't really have any change, but what I do have, silver and gold have I none, but this is what I give to you. Go ahead and stand up and walk. Like somebody who is paraplegic was able to stand up and walk. That type of power. Because he's full of the spirit and he's all in. Wouldn't that be amazing to do this stuff? Could you dream of doing these things? This is the Peter. This was a game changer. 
Peter moved from having a life, having Jesus in his life to having a life for Jesus. Peter moved from having Jesus in his life to having a life for Jesus. All in, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to do what God's called them to do. This is the desire that God has for his church, guys. It's his desire, it's his heart for you. It's his heart's desire for me to choose his way every morning over my own. <laughs> to be all in. Okay, God, this is what you called me to. I can't walk away from it. The coffee shop, it hurt. We had to scrape off all that coffee stuff on the windows. You know who got to do all that? I did. You know how disheartening it is? The dream, really big. Oh, cool, a church of the coffee shop. City church still exists. This is it. It's all in. Costs everything. That's the life that he has for you. To have plans and purposes that he draws you into. And then he gives you the strength by the Spirit to accomplish them. Pre-all in, full of the Holy Spirit, Peter was a guy who had really big ideas, would say very bold statements, but had zero follow-through. He wouldn't follow through on stuff. He was always afraid. Peter was the first one to reach for the sword. Post all in, full of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Peter's doing amazing things. He's leading from purpose and planning and and, and God's protection. He's leading people. He's, He's walking through the streets and miracle after miracle. He started the church. That's a tough job. But it was all in, full of the Holy Spirit. Pre-all-in and full of the Holy Spirit, me, I was broken. I was an addict. I always felt alone. Like, I, I surrounded myself with so many people, guys. I was at the club every night. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Amy, Amy's my witness should I say pre-all-in, married to Amy? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. That's just the benefit of being all-in and full of the Holy Spirit. There's a wife like that. Yeah. That's just so broken, guys. Like, always alone, always ashamed, scared, very fearful. Impulseful, the Holy Spirit and all-in. Like, God just radically transformed a a very broken person to love people again. I feel alone a lot less. My life's his. You know, I, 
I dreamed of like things that I could become full before Jesus. And then now your life is just like, what's your plans and purposes for my life? Because I just surrender to you. And not only do you have plans, but you also have purpose. Those are two different things. Having plans for your life is one thing, but also having purpose in the middle of your plans is amazing. You feel like a purpose, a drawing. You can't give up on it. This is what Jesus invites his disciples into. This is what the church is invited into, to be all in and full of the Spirit. Not trying to be headstrong and like power through things on your own or, and make things happen on your own, but to be moved by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is actually working through you that you can actually accomplish the things that are in front of you. Those things that are, you're all in on, as you put Jesus first on being all in, those other things come into play. Those other things come into play. You have capacity for your family. You have strength to make it through school. You can move forward in a business. You can do all of those things. But first comes Jesus, then comes everything else. First Jesus, then everything else. And so the invite's here. It's the same invite that the disciples got. Peter, do you love me? Agape love, do you, do you love me? Are you in love with me? Because I have amazing plans for you. And Jesus just invites his church again every single day. Do you love me? We surrender your plans. We surrender your life to me. In the church, we can just say yes. It's as simple as Yes. Yes, I love you, Jesus. I just got news. If you've been following Jesus for a while, this isn't a one-time thing. This is an everyday thing. Say, Jesus, yes, I love you. Man, because everything else is competing for your one. It's competing for your heart. It's competing to be number, number one priority in your life. But we can just come back to him and go, you know what, Jesus, I just love you. I love you. Be my one again. I'm all in. Amen? So I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to just speak to our hearts and um, just give them room and some time to do that. One quick thing is uh, we've had construction right by our house, and they finally, so about a month and a half, I've been watching everybody having to take a detour through our neighborhood and stuff like that. And then they finally opened it up. They removed the barriers. And now everybody's just like driving straight through. And, it, and so I just got this picture from the Lord that, you know, there's some areas of our life that were like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus. And then there's some areas of our life that were like, hold on, not in that area. <laughs> Don't go down that road, Jesus. Uh, that's my road. I'll deal with that stuff later. I just want to invite you, open up all roads, because all roads lead to Jesus, if you let them. So open up those areas. Open up those, those, those areas that you're just like, you know what? Those have been barricaded for quite a while. I've had caution tape all over those roads. I don't want to go down there. I don't want you to go down there. It's a new level of trust, a new level of, yes, Jesus, I want everything you have for me 
in all areas of my life. So let's just do that. Let's just invite him to just speak to our hearts and just surrender to him. Come, Holy Spirit.